0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Raheem. Nahmudu nasalli ala rasooli al-kareem. Amma pa'dah. Alhamdulillah, today is the 16th of July in the year 2023. And alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 25th session that we're going through the commentary of the Blessed Surah Al-Hajj. And I've reached verse 75. So inshallah today, going through Ubtu and including verse 77. So verse 75. Alhamdulillah, Bismillahir Rahmanir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He chooses messengers from angels and from mankind. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is He who hears and sees, i.e. all things. So here in this glorious verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that He chooses messengers. i.e., The word Mustafa comes from there. So the angels, who are the messengers from the angels? So there's a report. In Hakim, in his Mustadrak Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, Abdullah Ibn Amr, radiyallahu he said. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He divided the creation into ten parts. Nine parts are the angels, alayhi salatu wa The remaining part is the rest of creation. SubhanAllah. Then he divided the angels, alayhi salatu wa salam, into ten parts. Nine parts glorify, I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and one part convey the message. SubhanAllah. So in this sahih hadith, the angels are the greatest in number in terms of creation. They are so vast in number that they are 90% of creation if you take it literally. So that's the first thing. The second thing these innumerous angels are split into again 10 parts. 90% of them are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some are prostrating, some are doing ruku, etc. etc. 10% are the messengers. So who are the messengers? So we know of course the famous ones Jibreel alayhi salatu Mikail alayhi salatu salam, Israfil alayhi salatu wasalam Then you got the angel of death alayhi salatu So the Quran doesn't give you details all it says here in this verse is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses messengers from angels So the response is these are the 10% according to this report and they got various tasks and then Allah the says he chooses messages from mankind. So there's a report. In Imam Ahmad, in his Musnad, there's Hassan. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi he said, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has sent a hundred and twenty-four thousand prophets. Three hundred and thirteen were messengers. In one report, it mentions three hundred and thirteen to three hundred and fifty. So note again. The elite are 124,000. The first was Adam, the last, of course, being our beloved messengers. But amongst the 124,000, only 313 to 315 were messengers. So Allah, Allah has chosen them, i.e., with a more senior rank and status. Verse 76 He knows what is before them and what is behind them. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes back, all affairs are decision. So now what's interesting about this verse, verse 76, there's actually word for word repetition of a phrase in Ayatul Kursi. The verse reads here, ma مَا بَيْنَ wa ma So that's word for word in, uh, in Ayatul Kursi. He knows what is before them and what is behind them. So obviously the meaning here is he knows everything with regards to the history and he knows everything in terms of the future. And of course Allah Ta'ala also mentions in Surah Taha, Surah 20 verse 7 he knows what is even more hidden and that means that what you do not even know what you are going to do as yet as mentioned by Ibn Abbas in Ibn Jairin and Ibn Kathir, in their respected tafsids. Verse 77 All you who believe, bow down, prostrate yourselves and adore your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and do good, i.e. that you may be successful. So this is the verse where a prostration is mentioned. So inshallah after we will do the prostration. But there's a few things we need to note here with regards to this verse. So there's a report. So the hadith is in Abu Dawood, Tirmidin, number 578, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Behagi ibn Marduweeh, Sayyidina Uqba ibn Amr, radiya anhu. he released the our of it. messenger sallallahu alayhi wa said, sorry, he asked, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Fussilat suratul hajj bi anna fiha sajadatayn, O Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Surat Al-Hajj has more excellent than other surats because it has two prostrations. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said, Naam, Yes, and the one who does not prostrate in them has not recited them. So let's look at this. So in this report recorded in the sunnahs a companion, Uqba ibn Amr, he said, this surat seems to be honored above others. It's got two prostrations. No other surat has got two prostrations. So the Prophet said yes. And then he warned. He who does not prostrate at them has not recited it. Imam Tirmadi, he commented here. First, he said this hadith is not sound, it has a weakness in the chin. Then he said, the scholars differ. It is reported from Umar, Ibn Umar, that they said, Surat Hajj has excellence because it has two prostrations. Ibn al-Mubarak, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad, Ibn uh, Ishaq, Allah, also hold this view. But some, like Sufyan al Imam Malik, and the people of Ufa, hold it is only one prostration. So Imam Dhirmadi, he doesn't go into any great length. He says that there's a difference. Some scholars, they say they are indeed two prostrations in the Surat others say there's only one and he hinted that there's a problem with that hadith but there's other reports so it mentions in Tabarani in his Kabir 17-45 and is ibn Hajar As-qalani rahmatullahi in his al Isab under the companion Amr ibn Talq who was a jinn so he was a companion of the jinn so it mentions there Amr ibn Abu Amr ibn Talq, the jinn, he prayed behind Rasulullah. Uthman ibn Salih, rahmatullahi he said, I saw Amr the jinn and I said to him, Did you see Rasulullah? sallallahu He said, Yes, I embraced Islam. I gave him the Pledge of Allegiance and I prayed the morning prayer behind him. He recited Surah Al Hajj. And he prostrated twice. So, like, you know, this jinn companions, so this jinn companion said, I had the honor of praying behind him. And what did he say? Because he prostrated twice in Surah Hajj. So this proves that there are two prostrations. It wasn't just one. So again, there's a other report indicating this. So, Mufti Shafi, in marif of Quran, Volume 6, page 290 of the English translation, He recites the verse I verse 77 and then he said verse 18 of this surah going back is a verse of prostration by consensus of the scholars which means whoever recites verse 18 of surah hajj or listens to someone reciting it must offer a prostration. So the first thing Mufti Shafi says there is definitely a prostration in verse 18. But then he says, however, There is a difference of opinion about this verse. i.e., verse 77. Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Sufyan al Rahimullah, are amongst those who think that the present verse is not a verse of prostration in the sense that reciting this verse or listening to it does not entail the obligation to offer a prostration because the command to bow also is in the verse with bowing down in Ruku and this circumstance is a clear sign that in the present context prostration means the normal prostration which is performed during the course of Salah. So stopping the quote. So Mufti Shafi said, if you look at the entire verse, he goes bow down and prostrate. Do Ruku. So the argument here is it's not talking about prostration. He's talking about Salah because it's a ruku mentioned. Then he says, for example, all the scholars are unanimous that in the verse, I surah 3 verse 43, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wasjudi prostrate, bow down with those who bow. The prostration is the normal prostration of Salah. So the argument is, why don't you prostrate in that verse? Surah 3 verse 43, it says, prostrate, bow, and bow with those who bow. So obviously it's not referring to the prostration, it's talking about Salat. Then he said, however, in the context of the present verse, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad, hold contrary views, and they quote a hadith, according to which Surah Hajj enjoys a position of greater merit, as compared to other Surahs, because of two verses of prostration within it, Imam Abu Hanifa questions the authenticity of this hadith. Mm. So this this is why there's a difference. If that hadith was authentic, none of them would have differed. Mm. But there's a problem. I'm mean, going to mention the problem in a bit, inshallah. Mm. So note, you know, this is some of the reasons why there's a difference here. Also, in the work, simplified Islamic jurisprudence based on the Quran and Sunnah, Volume One: Acts of Worship. Page 144, it mentions there. There is a verse in Surah Hajj concerning which the scholars have differed, I this verse, verse 77. According to Shafi, it contains the word for prostration. Imam Abu Hanifa and Malik maintain otherwise because this verse contains an order of salah, not prostration. And then they quote the verse of Surah 3, verse 43, where it says, Ya Maryam, O Mary, submit yourself to your Lord bow and prostrate no prostration is required for this verse as unanimously agreed upon by the scholars so again this is echoing what Mufti Shafi says Shaykh Maududi he mentions in his commentary I of this verse quoting Imam Shafi Imam Ahmad Abdullah ibn Mubarak Ishaq ibn Rahawih they hold the view that this verse of Surah Al-Hajj requires a prostration. Both Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Hassan al-Basri, Sa'id ibn al-Masayyib, Sa'id ibn Jubair, Ibrahim al Nakhai, Sofyan al-Turi, all dispute this. The arguments of the two sides are briefly as follows. So Mufti uh, Shaykh Rahmatullah is giving you a brief why they've differed. He goes, the former group of commentators, they base the opinion on the following, meaning why they say the prostration is needed number one the verb in the verse is in the imperative mood so the verse says all oh you who believe it's, it's, it's a command because you can't take away an, an imperative by making negating the imperative number two the hadith of Uqba ibn Amr which I've mentioned in Abu Dawood, al Ahmad ibn Mardawi and he goes there's two prostrations and the prophet goes don't recite this surah if you're not going to prostrate then he says, number three, there's another hadith. In Abu Dawood ibn Majah, Hakim in Daru Kutni, Amr ibn al-Asr As anhu says, he was told by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there were two verses requiring prostration in Surah Hajj. So there's another hadith, in which Rasulullah said there's two prostrations. The fourth, sayings of Umar, Ali, Uthman, ibn Umar, ibn Abbas, Abu Darda Abu Musa al-Ashri, Ammar ibn Yasr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. To the effect, the Hajj contains two prostrations. So some of the Khilaf al Rashidin, in fact most of them, and many of the sahabah said there's two prostrations. So these are some of the proofs, Shaykh Maududi says, why some of the imams said you must prostrate. The second group, they argue. Number one, the verse contains a command for prostration and ruku, which implies the whole salat, not prostration alone. Number two, the hadith reported by Uqba ibn Amr is da'if. Which i mentioned in the bit. Number three. The hadith of Amr ibn al-As is also unreliable because its reporters are not well known. However, I've added this. In Fiqh-Sunnah, volume 2, page 42. Imam Nawawi and ibn, Imam al-Munzir, they both stated the hadith of Amr ibn al-As is hasan. So this is contested. The Hadith of Amr from the Prophet says there's two prostrations in Surah Hajj. According to some of the Imams, this is a weak report, but Imam Nawawi who was an authority and Imam Mundir said this Hadith is Hasan. And number four, as for the sayings of the companions, Abdullah ibn Abbas has clearly explained that the prostration in respect of the first verse in Surah Hajj is obligatory. But in regard to the second, it is only suggestive. So Ibn Abbas said you can prostrate if you wish in the second, but it's not an obligation upon you. So Ibn Abbas takes a middle approach. So, now what's the problem with these reports? So, Imam Qurtubi Rahmatullah he clarified volume 7, page 422 of the English translation. He states he quotes the hadith from Uqba ibn, uh, sorry Amr ibn al-As the hadith is in Abu Dawud ibn Majd al Qutni Hakim and the Prophet he mentioned that there's two prostrations in Surah Hajj Imam Kurtubi said about this hadith Abdullah ibn Munaim is not used as evidence mm. so there's a person in the chain Imam Kurtubi because I'm not happy with him mm. Abdullah ibn Munaim is not used as evidence then he quotes the second, the of Uqba ibn Amr in Abu Dawud Tirmidhi, Ahmad Beyhaqi. And the Prophet said, there are two prostrations. Don't recite this surah if you're not going to prostrate. Imam be said, Abdullah ibn Lahia is in the chain. He is very weak. So now names are given. So obviously we're not ulama. We don't know why the narrations are weak. But the scholars know exactly why there's weaknesses and they've mentioned names. Then Imam Kurtubi said, however, Imam Shafi affirmed it and dropped the prostration in Surat sa Why? Because they all agree there's 15 prostrations. So if the Shafis state this is a prostration in the Hanbalis, what about the prostration in Surat sa Because that's not obligatory. The Hanafi state, no, that is obligatory. You don't offer this prostration. So they all agree that there's 15 prostrations. So now, just looking at that particular prostration, Surah 38 verse 24. So, in Surah Sa'd where the prostration is, Surah 38, verse 24, it mentions there, that this was the prostration of Dawud, remember when the two litigants came, and he judged, then he fell into prostration. So that prostration, to mention a few reports, so don't forget what I mentioned about this prostration, Imam Abu Hanifa says, you don't need to prostrate here. Imam Shafi said, "No, you need to prostrate here. This is where they've differed. So, what? Why have they differed here? So, there's interesting reports, just to mention a few. <speaking> in Sahih Bukhari number one thousand and sixty-nine, Nasai Abu Dawud number Abu Dawud Tirmidhi number five hundred and seventy-seven, Hassan Sahih, Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Katib's Tafsir, Abdullah Ibn Abbas He said, the prostration of Surat Soud." is not one of the obligatory prostrations. However, I saw Rasulullah prostrating in this surah. So look how interesting. The great Ibn Abbas, in this flawless report in Sayyid Bukhari, he goes, this isn't an obligation. So whose understanding is that? Imam Abu Hanifa. Because this isn't a prostration. But well, if you want to prostrate, prostrate. And this is one of the proofs he uses, the hadith of Ibn Abbas. But Rasulullah did prostrate there. Another report. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 3,421. Ahmad in his Muslim, number 3,421. Mishkat number 1,028. The report, Ibn Abbas, r.a. he relates. Rasulullah Sorry, Mujahid r.a. asked Ibn Abbas, why do you prostrate in Surah Sa'd? Abdullah ibn Abbas said, have you not read? And he recited Surah 6, verse 84, and Surah 6, verse 90. When it mentions the Prophets and our command to follow the Prophets. He goes, have you read that? He goes, yes. Then Ibn Abbas said, Dawood alayhi salatu waslam was one of those whom your Prophet was commanded to follow. Sallallahu alayhi salam. Dawud alayhi salatu waslam prostrated here. So Rasulullah also prostrated here. So look how beautiful. Mujahid queried his teacher. He goes, why do you prostrate in Surah Sad? He goes, in Surah An'am, Allah at the Last, telling you to follow certain Prophets. One of them was Dawood. So, Rasulullah is told to follow Dawood. He prostrated here. So, he has to. So, for the Prophet, he prostrates. But, is that upon us? So, he's giving you the clarification. And also, there's another report. In Abu Dawood, Ibn Kathir states, his chain of relation meets the condition of Bukhari and Muslim. Abu Sa'id, Rasulullah once, once recited Surat Sa'ad when he was on the pulpit. When he reached the prostration, he came down from the pulpit and he prostrated and the people prostrated with him. On another occasion, when he recited it, وسلم, he reached the prostration and the people prepared to prostrate. He thereupon said, this is the repentance of a prophet. But I see that you are preparing to prostrate. Thus he came down and he prostrated. Mm. So look how beautiful. The Prophet ﷺ wasn't intending to prostrate the second time. Mm. But when he saw the Sahabat getting ready to prostrate, he explained. He goes, Dawud prostrated here. Uh, out of humility mm. and fear. He goes, but, okay, we'll prostrate. Mm. So what's what's that indicating? This isn't an oblig- obligatory prostration. But Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad said it is. So they've differed here. So note, I wanted to mention that here. Why? Because there's a difference. But there's another thing which is very interesting. There was a muhadith and he passed away 2017. And his name is Sheikh Yunus Jonpuri. So he's from India. And uh, he was a student of Maulana Zakriya Khandawi and Maulana As'adullah. It mentions that he taught Sayyid Bukhari the commentary for 50 years, hmm. and he passed away in July 2017, which is about six years ago. So he, this the sheikh, was very interesting. One of his students, Sheikh Yulus, uh, sorry, Mufti Muhammad Zaid Nadwi, uh, who's alive, he goes, I was once leading the sheikh in Tarawih Salah. So where is this? This is in the book Dictum Dictums of Al-Muhaddith Shaykh Yunus Jonpuri collection 1 page 52 So the, the student said I was once leading the Shaykh in Tarawi Salah I did not observe the second prostration of Surah Hajj which is observed by the Shafi'is but not by the Ahnaf After the conclusion of the Salah the Shaykh called me and he said to me The second prostration of Surah Hajj is proven from the Sunnah. Even though it is not observed by the Ahnaf, it should nevertheless be performed occasionally as it has been proven from the Sunnah. It is not the meaning of being a Hanafi to disregard anything which has been proven from the Sunnah. Subhanallah. So what did the Shaykh say? He warned his student he goes, obviously he's a sheikh, he's not a layman. And he said to him, why didn't you offer the second prostration?" And he goes, the Hanafi's don't prostrate. He goes, it's proven from the sunnah. And he goes, a Hanafi never goes against the sunnah of the Prophet. He goes, occasionally do it. Then there's a subnote here. It is permitted for scholars of research and understanding to practice on such rulings based on their research and findings. The sheikh was a scholar of such a caliber. However, if such a practice was to give rise to conflict and confusion amongst people, it would be better to refrain from such practices. So this is the thing. So the majority of the Ummah follow the schools. But they don't understand that. <laughs> if you say you had yeah, you do the second prostration of Surah Hajj, never. <clears throat> what a horrible thing to say. <clears throat> <clears throat> you say what do you mean never? He goes, because we don't do it. <laughs> so didn't the Prophet do it? <clears throat> he goes, granted they weak, their thoughts. But the Sahaba definitely did it. You should never say that. What you should say is, we don't do it, but I do it occasionally because we love that there's a possibility that this is the Sunnah of the Prophet Wasallam, And this is the mindset. But look how interesting, even a student of a senior muhaddith was told the lesson. He goes, don't fall into that mindset. And also the opposite to it. So obviously, if you're leading the prayer, so the second prostration of Surah Hajj according to uh, the hanafis is not a prostration. So if you're leading the prayer and there's hanafis behind you. <laughs> if you think you're gonna cause fitna, don't recite that verse. I actually told Qadisab once, because Qadisab the Shaf is a humble that's a prostration for them. And you don't offer a prostration. And then he never did it again. Mashallah he goes oh, I didn't know Sorry I was, because he just thought you know the this was the established ruling but if you've got learned people or you explain to them, look, I know you don't usually prostrate, but nevertheless, mm. it is I, I urge you to prostrate now with me during the prayer because this is something which is mentioned in the books. Everybody would appreciate that. Mm. So no, that's another point. And the other thing I want to mention here is Imam Kurtubi. So in Imam Kurtubi in his Tafsir, volume seven, page four to four, he states of the English translation. And he's discussing the question, should you offer a prostration in the obligatory prayer? Mm. Should you recite something which causes a prostration in the obligatory prayer? So Imam Kurtabi, who was a Maliki, he said, mm. as for the obligatory prayer, the well-known position from Malik is that it is forbidden. Mm. Whether the prayer is silent or loud in a group or alone, because this is the well-known position of the Malikis, do not recite a verse of prostration in any prayer, right? According to uh, the uh, the obligatory prayer, sorry, which is mentioned either by yourself or in congregation. Then he said, it is said that the reason is out, sorry, the reason is that it in, entails increasing the number of prostrations of the obligatory prayer. Because mm. you're changing the obligatory prayer. Mm. It is said that the reason is out of fear of confusing the group. Because you're confusing this as well. Mm. Then Imam Kurtubi, look what he said, because he was an Imam as well, because this is doubtful. According to this, it is not forbidden for someone alone or in a group that is safe from confusion. So Imam Kurtubi takes a middle path. He said, if you don't cause confusion, I don't think there's a problem. But if you fear it will cause confusion, do not do it in the obligatory prayer. And there's a report to finish in Sayyid Bukhari. Abu Rafi, he said, I prayed Isha with Abu Huraira and he recited Surah 84 verse 1 when the sky burst open and he prostrated. I asked, what is this? He answered, I prostrated for it behind Abu Al-Qasim and I will continue to do so until I meet him. So why did Imam be relate this report? (laughs) He's relating the report to indicate that you should never leave the Sunnah. (laughs) If the Prophet did it, you do it. And if a person objects to it, you remind them. You said, This is what the Prophet did. And you should remain silent to what is mentioned. Here. So, note, despite a bit of fig with regards to this verse, and I wanted to mention it here in detail. Why? Because people get heated over it. And they haven't got time to clarify. And also, just to add, this is a Sahih Hadith in bayhaqi. Abu Al Jahm, he relates that Omar did two prostrations of Surah Hajj. When he was in Al-Jabiya and he said, This Surat has been favoured with two prostrations. So there's a Sahih hadith from Abi al He offered it on a journey as well, which is interesting. And he goes, This surat has been honored with two prostrations. So I'll side the verses and we will conclude. <laughs> Allah, who is من الملائكة is ومن الناس إن الله سميع بصير يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم وإلى الله ترجع الأمور يا أيها الذين آمنوا whos the ربكم <tries> we pray to Almighty Allah that He makes the Quran the be of We pray to Almighty Allah that He forgives me for any errors which I have the one the one who is the <tries> one